You are now listening to the Paper Cuts Comic Podcast with Dean DeFalco, Dan Ryan, Evan Goldstein, and Matt Munch. For the comic podcast with the most personality this side of the galaxy, it'll always be Paper Cuts. Over to you, Dan. Thanks, announcer guy, and thank you for tuning in to the Paper Cuts Podcast, issue (laughs) 70. I'm your host, Dan Ryan. Joining me this week is Mr. Matthew Much. Hello. And Mr. Dean DeFalco. Don't call me that. What should I call you? Vest Lord. Uh, Kanye Vest. Thank you, Kanye Vest. Oh, wow. Absent this week uh, due to uh, some old bullshit, really, is uh, Mr. Evan Goldstein. (laughs) So we will carry on in his stead. And it was a pretty damn good week of comics, if I do say so myself. And I do, but I don't have to because we're going to talk about them. Let's jump in right away with the book that, well, I didn't read. So, Matt and Dean, you have to talk about it. Deadpool Mercs for Money, number one, written by Cullen Bunn, art by Salva Espin, uh, with a cover by Declan Shalvey. And it's a badass cover. Like, that's the best I got. That's, that is my contribution to this segment. Dan, let really me tell good. you what a contribution it is. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. It's more sizable than you would think. So... Uh, lay it on me, guys. What happened? Speaking of sizable, that's what this book was not, is sizable. <laughs> uh, half a book. You you get half. It, it is marketed as 40-something pages, and then they're like, we're going to throw Spidey number one in for half of it. And hmm. Not cool. <laughs> I mean, no. great. You know, everyone loves Spider-Man. Could have used some more Deadpool, though. It, it was it was a kind of cool book. It's funny. Um there's a, uh, they have that um, Mexican Deadpool in there, ma- Massacre, mm-hmm. and um, it's not fun to translate entirely Spanish word bubbles mm. by no, yourself. They, they they're, didn't they're, offer the translation; they just left it. It's it's just in Spanish. Yes, and it normally it looks pretty wordy too. Like he has three or four bubbles per <laughs> box of fucking Spanish. Nice. I'm like, hey man, is this a is this a comic or is this a primer? At first, I thought it was Deadpool, and I was like, did I did I buy the wrong version? Like, did did I get this the wrong place? I I don't understand. Is Marvel launching a new bilingual division? <laughs> they might. You never know. Yeah. Um. It was it was a pretty fun book though. It's it's got a bunch of uh, awesome kind of throwaway D-list characters to an extent. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking at that lineup, and Deadpool, Stingray, Massacre, Solo, Fool Killer, Terror, and Slapstick. I'm sad I didn't read it. S- Slapstick had the best line in the uh, the whole book when uh, he's fighting this weird mm. Alice in Wonderland happy clown, mm-hmm. and he says, you know, I'm going to tear your face off. Wear it on my butt so you can feel what a real ass clown is like. And I'm like, that, yes, that, that is what I want in every book. Just that line over and over again. It, it was, oh, ultimate fucking insult slash fucking threat ever. Yay, slapstick. I'm not sure how many issues you could go with that being the only line in a book. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Matt. You're right. I retract that statement. At least two or three, though, if the I, art was yeah. good. Yeah, you could get a, a short arc, but then, you know. Uh, speaking of art and uh, arcs, and well, mainly just art, the art was pretty, excuse me, sharp in this book. I, I thought yeah, it, was, it was good. Uh, yeah, I thought it was good. Um, more importantly, uh, as I read more and more comics, it was consistent, which I didn't realize I would ever point out as a positive point in a comic, but it was, mm-hmm. and that's good. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly is, man. You know, I don't want to... Yeah, looking back at the shit we've gone through lately. Like, sometimes there's a book... Sometimes there's books that just change artists for a couple pages in the middle and then switch back or just switch halfway through or do dumb shit like that. Uh, Yeah, it's infuriating. Infuriating isn't the fucking word. It's it's (laughs) mind-numbing. It's, it's like, mind-boggling, in fact. I get fucking visibly angry. Like, I want to murder people when that happens. Mind-boggling, even. Oh, I'll tell yeah. you. Boggle for the mind. It's, I mean, even, it's not great. Even with the most absurd comics, there's a level of immersion, and uh, there's one great way to break that immersion, and that's to just change the art style. Just switch some shit up right away. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty frustrating when uh, when that sort of thing happens. I understand why it does to a certain extent um, when they're doing like flashbacks or dream sequences, that sort of thing, where a different art style maybe fits the tone of what's going on. But unfortunately, that seems to be fewer and farther between now, where it's just well, the artist couldn't finish, so we got Steve to do it. Steve from Accounts is the artist on half of this. It's book. like the Mikey Whipwreck of Marvel. <laughs> I keep whipping. Damn, that's a deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Steve, man. Can't do anything right. He did win after a while, though. Maybe Steve will find his place in the Marvel Universe. Maybe he's he very will. aspirational, but uh, he belongs in accounting. <laughs> <laughs> so, that being said, uh, yay or nay? Uh, I mean, the story was good, but if they keep cutting in, like, if this is going to be their, hey, we're going to shoot promos in type book i'm 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 out all right fair enough so maybe wait give it another issue yeah uh i would if, if you're gonna go to the store thumb through it make sure you're getting a whole book <laughs> that would that would be mine <laughs> i i did not need the spidey promo at the end granted i guess spider-man fans that might be like uh, a good reason to buy the book if they like it but i mean really you could just wait the extra couple weeks and buy spidey when it comes out fair enough Matt, what about you? Uh, it was just it was, it was a little weird to read because uh, Jerry Duggan has been taking Deadpool so far into being a, a more, I don't know, mainstream, legitimate character. He's humanized him. He's got him doing all kinds of real boy stuff, not like typical Deadpool stuff. And they've taken that so far through at least one series and into the new series and then you have this Deadpool which is kinda just the old Deadpool that people used to like and weren't forced to get used to so it was weird like is this even in universe or is this side story I don't, I don't know that I, I don't know Deadpool. that they have anything uh, hammered down yet as to what is in universe yeah i think deadpool just kind of exists in his own thing however i i did like that story plot they're going with with the robot that seems to be telling either some other universe or like a, the previous universe what happened I don't, I don't know the robot is definitely interesting well isn't that a robot iron man encountered recently uh, I'm. I am not sure to be or a model of him. I, I'm. I thought it was the Vision at first. I was like, no, Vision's different colors, and Vision wouldn't get junked into a box because he's the fucking Vision. So I'm. I'm not entirely sure. All right. I'm not well, sure either. But you know, you can look forward to him explaining what a reality prolapse is. <laughs> as long as it is nothing like an anal prolapse, we'll be good. Or an anal collapse. Oh, either way, terrible. Anyway, so. A solid, uh, a solid meh. It seems for Deadpool and the Mercs for Money. Uh, check out the second one. Yeah, fair enough. What, uh, what was not a solid meh? What was a solid uh, yeah. opposite of meh? Um, was Spider Man number one? Uh, Spider Man number one is uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Sarah Pacelli. If that sounds familiar to you, it is because that is the team that was on Ultimate Spider Man, the Miles Morales Ultimate Spider Man, and this was the introduction of Miles Morales into the Marvel Universe proper. Um, now, Dean, you didn't read this one, right? I'm looking at it right I literally just picked it up. Um, interesting. I like how our little baby Miles has grown up. I'm a little scared that everybody is dead on the ground, though. Yeah, so like Blackheart, right away from the very beginning, uh, a villain that has not been seen in quite some time. Uh, at least to my knowledge, anyway. He's but got a was, bit of a like redesign, hasn't he? Yeah, a, a total redesign on uh, on Blackheart, but a really badass-looking Blackheart. The son of Mephisto uh, has apparently killed all of the Avengers, and the only one who's left is uh, Miles Morales' Spider-Man. Now, what is going to be annoying about this book is, spoilers for the last page, Peter Parker's Spider-Man shows up, and I don't want to have to have conversations where I say Peter Parker's Spider-Man and Miles Morales' Spider-Man. You just say Miles and Peter. Yeah, that's much simpler. So, in this book... <laughs> How do we solve that? Thanks, dude. I appreciate it. It's been a very long week. Go, I'm go ahead, very Dad. tired. It's all right, buddy. In this, uh, in this book, we get uh, the, the first couple of images is Miles uh, facing off with Blackheart, and then we flash back to Miles being in school, uh, 
talking to this girl about going out on a date. He just really wants to make out with her, which uh, I can't blame him. I, who doesn't love making out? There's uh, there's some pretty funny lines. It's 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 really kind of standard Miles Morales Spider-Man stuff. If you were a fan of the Ultimate Spider-Man book, this picks up pretty much right where it left off. I mean, it's it's Bendis writing it. It's Pacelli's artwork. It is that team that that did so much with that character when everybody was like, really? You're killing off Peter Parker in the Ultimate Universe? That seems like a stretch. Who is this new kid? And then, can, oh, can, wait, it's really good. It is really good. Uh, can we just talk about, real quick, the two pages, like eight, I yeah, eight and nine, where his dad looks high as fuck talking to him mm-hmm. on the phone. About drugs? Yeah. 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 <laughs> he's, fucking, he's like, yeah, I know what you do. I know what you do, and I do it too all the time. He's just got... Resting high as fuck face. I guess yeah, that's so, all. dude. Resting just one of those high things. AF face. Yeah. Resting half. There we go. I like it. Um, it ain't so his yeah. fault. He was born that way. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Can't fault the man. I mean, really. The uh, the issue deals primarily with um, the fallout of Miles not getting a date, talking to uh, his best friend, Genki, about, uh, about not getting this date, uh, them talking about Miles should maybe be dating one of his own, um, meaning a superhero. Uh, there's, it's a pretty funny conversation between you know two high school friends. They jump over to being in the classroom where the teacher is trying to talk about uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, which I, just as a, a literary criticism aside here for a second, I don't care for that book. I never have. I read it for the first time in fifth grade. To Kill a Mockingbird? Maybe why. Yeah, I just don't care for it. I don't know why it's special. I, yeah, I don't, I don't really get it. My fifth grade teacher, though, Mr. Pennell, shout out to Mr. Pennell, big fan of the show, <laughs> made us read To Kill a Mockingbird in fifth grade. Yeah, I read that in like seven, no, sixth or seventh. No, God, jeez, I read that in the eighth grade. Yeah, it seems it's a little deep for like a 12, 12 right? 11, 12-year-old. 12 <laughs> Not even that. You're like 10. I don't remember how old you are in fifth grade. It's been quite a while, but it just doesn't seem, anyway, not a fifth grade book. Regardless, <laughs> um... Miles obviously has been off doing super heroic things and has not read the book. And the teacher asks him, you know, what what could be more important than reading this book? And there's Anything. a couple panels. Yeah, really. There's a couple panels of him, you know, saving the world pretty much. And uh, as he's sitting there in class, police sirens go, uh, you know, police cars go by. Here's a police siren says, I have to go to the bathroom. She says, no. He says, fuck you. I'm out and goes out anyway gets involved in this fight with all the Avengers uh, having their asses handed to them, picks up Captain America's shield, uh, hits Blackheart in the face a couple of times, there's some banter, and then Peter Parker shows up and says, what did you do? Because the city is fucked up, the Avengers are apparently dead, and it's just Peter and Miles standing at the end of the issue. And I was like, fuck yeah, man. Like, I'm in. This is a great book. Just looking at it, it's uh, it's, it's a cool book i'm glad he is in this universe and they're not just kind of shoehorning him and he has his own book he he legitimately has something to do and he's not useless it seems like peter parker is actually more of the uh sideline now i i rather read this than the peter parker stuff yeah peter parker's iron man now pretty much pretty much not actually but he's no for all intents and purposes he's a millionaire he has high-tech gadgets they made him fucking iron man and like why just fucking why well because now miles morales fills the teenage college age quippy spider-man role but where is our brash drunk millionaire that's the one i want well they're gonna do something with him soon in march (sighs) yeah some civil war thing that yeah. I've heard tell about. But no, he's going to th- be a this, this spy. This time he'll fucking die, whatever. Oh, is, oh that's right. They're putting right. him in James Bond shoes. Oh, Who doesn't oh, like okay. that, though? James Bond has very nice wingtips. Yeah. There's, there's a couple contrasting notes about this. Uh, in the scene where Miles is daydreaming while he's in school trying to be lectured about a book that really, overall, doesn't matter in the scheme of American literature. But It really doesn't. Um, Deep cuts, man. There's... An art change for one panel, and it makes perfect sense. You mean the anime-style thing? Yeah, where he's imagining what he could be doing, what would be more important. And uh, he's he's arresting Armadillo Man, and he's got them all webbed up, and the girls are looking (laughs) on adoringly, and that's perfect. Ladies love anime, Spidey. 
Who doesn't? I, from the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon show, it's great when they mix that in there. And that was, you know, like we were talking about, that's one of those instances where it made sense to change the art style. It worked. And then it jumped right back to it. It wasn't, it wasn't jarring. It was part of the overall storytelling mechanism um, as opposed to an artist who maybe couldn't finish their shit on time. So right. good job, Steve. Steve from Accounts is fucking killing it. He's a big anime fan. Just wanted to take a crack at Marvel, but he was too late for the Marvel anime revolution of the '90s, and uh, oh. finally got his chance. Who didn't love manga Spider-Man though? Or I'd manga never read Spider-Man. manga Spider-Man. I didn't read oh. it either. It was good. I'm sure I'd love it. I actually really I liked the uh, the Marvel manga verse or manga verse, however the hell you say it, because I still haven't gotten confirmation on that. I did see the two anime-style movies that were more recent and were mm-hmm. X-Men stuff. They were good. They were good. There was an Iron Man one, too, that was that was pretty oh. good. Oh, like I didn't I, see it. Like a cartoon, like a series. I think it was like, fuck, I'm going to... Isn't it the Invincible Iron Man or something? No, no, there's, there's a different one. Um, it was on Nick, on, wasn't it? No, it was Cartoon Network, I think, You're maybe. Cartoon Network. Oh, goddamn. I can't remember. I'm anyway, Cartoon Network. I, I, you are, Matt. Yeah, we'll look it up later. But the, I don't know why I'm saying that. Um, the, the only other things about the book, I feel like it's good. I just want to say up front, I liked it a lot. But I think Bendis doesn't quite, I guess, I don't know how old he is. He doesn't quite remember what being a teenager was like. <laughs> the dialogue's a little clunky, a little hammy. Yeah, it, it was uh, Ultimate Spider-Man was uh, a little bit more... Uh, on the nose 20 years ago when it came out, it feels like. And I don't know if it was... It probably wasn't 20 years ago, but it was probably 15 or 16 years ago when he first started writing Ultimate Spider-Man. So he's got to be close to 50 at this point, I would imagine. Uh, Dan, it seems like the name of the show is Iron Man Armored Adventures. Ah, yes. No, no, no. No? I'll find it. Fuck. I'll find it. I can't... This is is difficult, man. No, well, we'll get... To it, I'm but sure uh, one of us will find it. But no, you're right. Um, yeah, Bendis is 48 now, so a 48 year old man writing um, writing for a teenager. Uh, there's gonna be there's gonna be some times where it's like that's not really how kids talk today. It's not his fault. He's just lived. 48. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's just lived, lived a while. He's, he's just lived been a life. alive, and his brain has changed. It's not his fault. <laughs> I, uh, I I really liked this book, though. I would say uh, definitely pick this up. Um, I really Absolutely. enjoyed the shit out of it. And uh, I feel like as they get more of a foothold as to where Miles Morales uh, fits in this universe, it's only going to get better. Yeah, yeah. I, so, I could get behind that. Um, there were Okay, so I just found it. Uh, Iron Man, uh, it was... Done by Madhouse Studio. It aired on G4. Um, that, that's the venerable not G4. Network, Dan. No, it's not. Um, it ran in from October to December of 2010, and there were 12 episodes. 12? Uh, oh. there, was, there was an Iron Man one, a Wolverine, an X-Men, and a Blade. That's like at the fucking tail end of G4, though. Yeah, this when was like When Cops a, a, was a mainstay. A last gasp from Cops and uh, cheaters. <laughs> cops was it, a though. perpetual it, mainstay. It was pretty good. Anyway, so Spider-Man by Bendis and Pacelli. Definitely pick that up. Uh, Really good book. Uh, Moving forward, though, into what was by far, I would would argue, the worst book of the week. And honestly... Say it. (laughs) When we reviewed issue number one of of this title... um, Yeah, you were were holding it it up. Yeah, I was. This issue was not good and i am unfortunately talking about swamp thing number two by len wine and kelly jones um this so that's was, interesting you know no what it was though is oh, he he fucking sh- mess he shed all the 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 charm that he had in the like all that retro charm yeah shaved off it's gone it's, it was completely gone and it was just swamp thing in the modern dc universe with a lot of ellipses I didn't notice as many ellipses the last time around, but when I read a comic, if I see dot, 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 I assume that the character is breathing heavy. Or being snarky. Either way, 
<laughs> but it appeared that Swamp Thing, to me, was breathing heavy throughout this entire issue. <laughs> like, he just... Every word... Dude was winded. He's be, overweight. Uh, like, it just seemed to be a struggle for him to get a fucking sentence out. And, oh, man, I just did not like this book. Well, I liked the first one. This was shit. He did get ripped in half at the end of the last book. Maybe that, that all right, that's a good enough explanation. That doesn't excuse, like, oh, man. So, Swamp Thing is, uh, he was ripped in half at the end of the first issue. He uh, knits himself back together in this one and continues to go on the trail of the zombie and spends some time talking to Shade, uh, who's just an old DC Vertigo character who's pretty cool. Uh, like, his scene was kind of cool, I thought, in, in this issue where he uh, Swamp Thing goes to Shade to ask how to kill a zombie, how to actually stop one for real. And Shade tells him, you know, the, the traditional ways, the stereotypical ways are the best. You got to put salt in his mouth and sew his mouth closed so that he can't get rid of it. Yeah, because um, we've all heard of that. <laughs> it's That's old voodoo shit. So, you know, like there is some traditional Zombies are normally shit with salt, though. Yeah, I, like th there actually was some, some like reference back to old zombie tales but uh, so okay so he gives him a bag of salt and an unbreakable needle and thread which apparently swamp thing Didn't loses fucking need in a fight because he gets punched by the zombie like oh man they just the so okay so they're unbreakable spoilers. they're not undroppable <laughs> that's, that's true, a very man. very good point Oops. Very, very good point oh shit i dropped my unbreakable thing um, they sped through this and like by the end of this issue by the end of issue number two the zombie has been defeated he's dead Swamp Thing kills him he sews him like he puts the salt in his mouth they get into a fight uh, knocks the zombie down uh, roots and shit come up from the earth and hold the zombie down while Swamp Thing pours salt in his mouth and sews it shut with uh, his magic finger I guess is what he did his magic needle that's his crack nail actually <laughs> He sewed his mouth shut with his crack nail, and the zombie is dead. And then at the end of the issue, a guy shows up, and there's like a big reveal, and I don't know who it is. Who, yeah, who the fuck is Matt Cable? No idea. Actually, you know what? Hang on. I'm fucking looking this up. See, I thought it's it was like interesting, stupid. your reaction, because to me, who is not a diehard Swamp Thing fan... Right. This was just more of the same of issue one. And so I continued to not like it especially <laughs> much. But you had a much different journey. Yeah, I, because like Dean said, all of that retro charm was gone. Like they completely stripped it and it just barreled through the story without making a lot of sense. There was a lot of a lot of jumps in time to get from point A to point B to point C to the zombie being dead. He's a time traveler. Uh, well, sure. He's not a time traveler. No, he's not. No. <laughs> he's not. But but then to like introduce a brand new villain at the end of number two, Matt Cable, like like I said before, I like Swamp Thing. I'm not a diehard Swamp Thing fan. So I, maybe I'm missing something obvious and somebody's listening to this is going, Puh, you asshole, Matt Cable is... Meh, meh, meh. He's the guy who's most responsible for all of Swamp Thing's greatest adventures. He, he's and not. If that's true, I'm he, sorry, or, I missed he, it. He's really not. Um, okay. I, if I, he says, ma ma ma, I don't care if he <laughs> listens to the show. He's just an asshole. Yeah, really. That's true. Uh, I mean, real quick, uh, quick excerpt. Uh, Matthew Cable was a government agent assigned to protect Alec and Linda Holland while they worked on their biorestorative formula oh. deep in their Louisiana swamps. Unfortunately, Cable was unable to save them from the machinations of the Enclave, a sinister organization that wanted to help the couple that wanted the couple to work for their own nefarious ends. And the Hollands were killed when Swamp Thing rose from the Bayou. Cable believed it responsible for the Hollands' deaths and set out in pursuit, intent on avenging his friends' murders. So, it's a really obscure reference. Yeah, I, I don't remember any Swamp Thing stories really focusing on him. Uh, this, the, it, this is all the way was, back to 72, so, I mean, this yeah. is ridiculous. Like, it was familiar when I saw it, but, 
Like, I recognize the name, but n not as anything that would be like, well, it's the big fucking reveal. Apparently, he had a run in <sighs> Game and Sandman series that was a little more like, mm. probably with the times that they might have gone with, but it doesn't work into the Swamp Thing universe at all. I mean, again, the, the, the cable character created by Len Wein, so that's why right. he's using it. But... Again, if he was going to do this whole zombie thing and do it as a one-off, I'm sure people would have bought the book. It seemed like he did the first one. Maybe he got the same criticism that I gave him, that, you know, it's just it's not working for me anyway. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, fuck it. I'm going to have to change it. And he tried. So he basically left out all, like, the Scooby-Doo-ness out of the book. And I, I think it's for the worse. Yeah, I, I really do, too. I like the Scooby-Doo-ness of it. Scooby-Doo, something we're going to bring up at the end of the show, by the way. Uh, all right, great. I'm sure. excited about it. Oh, are we thing. Are we going to yeah. get high with the Great Dane? No, no, we'll, we'll talk about it in a bit. All but, right. Uh, yes. <laughs> what, what a disappointment Swamp Thing number two was. And it, was, it's got, a, like, two or three, three more issues to go? Yeah. I mean, I'm, right. I, I, I mean, I'm out. Oh, I'm I'm out. I'm out officially. I I did not care for it even a little bit and that that really it really bums me out cuz I dig Swamp Thing and I was liking the the uh the silliness of it and the you know like like Dean said the Scooby-Dooness of it all. I I was liking that and that's gone. So, I if, can't If you want Swamp Thing, it. man, you know, just read the Snyder stuff. Snyder stuff is good. Snyder stuff is good, so let's uh, let's jump over to uh, to another Marvel book uh, that came out this week. A Force number two. Now, I really liked the first issue of A Force. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. This issue, I liked a heck of a lot more than the first one. I like this one. I did also like this one more than the first one. It seemed to progress a little faster, which I sort of liked it did the first issue was so much uh so much setup hmm? and this issue really took the story forward and introduced <laughs> us yeah don't we'll I, get okay. there all right we'll get there because that's that's real no that's I, I, not I, a joke okay um <laughs> this issue really took the story forward and dealing with this kind of this weird anti-matter thing um, it brought in the rest of the characters. Captain Marvel was there. Nico was there. Um, we get Dazzler at the end. A really badass version of Dazzler, by the way, who's like a roller derby girl. And uh, I, I fucking loved it, man. It's uh, still written. G. Willow Wilson, art by Jorge Molina. The art, excellent as ever. Um, Jorge Molina is a phenomenal artist. He does He does the female form really well without making it cheesecake we you don't know, need big like, titties all the time right yes it, we do <laughs> <laughs> unless you're matt much all he, the uh, time he does a really good job of making these women look different N normal from or, each other well yeah but still normal other. yeah but like yeah a, a normal human being they don't all have yeah. to look like deja thoris right who uh, is also just redesigned yeah oh, god damn it does she have smaller boobs yes oh Oh, fuck. The uh, the script in this one, I thought there was some really funny funny moments in here. Um, you know, when when they ask Singularity her name, or when she finally tells them her name, she's like Singularity, and you know, a couple of the characters, uh, She Hulk and Medusa, are talking, and they're like, "That's well, not a great name. It's kind of a mouthful. We'll work on it." And they just kind of like move on. There's some good banter be behind it. Um, I, I like the uh, progression of them all growing on her and together yeah the, it, there's a very um and i mean this in all seriousness uh as an adult male with uh daughters i am uh somewhat versed in this universe but there's a very my little pony friendship is magic quality to this and i mean that as a compliment i really honestly do with a group of friends or a group of of disparate people kind of coming together around a central figure uniting them and them forging this friendship to to move forward as a team um and it's it's just really good there's charm to it the art is great the script was great 
the story is cool. This is a book you should be reading. I mean, just honestly. I agree. Yeah, you no, get, you, you, you'll get no argument from me here, man. That book is, is really good. It's it's tight. And, uh, I, I mean, if there's any Marvel book you're going to read, this one's probably a good one to jump in at at this point just because it's it, it just does everything very well. It's a little funny because I just glazed over when I tried to read the A-Force from Secret Wars. I don't even know why particularly. Just didn't do it for me. But this it one, this one's good. good. Well, okay. It wasn't as good. That's yeah, the, that's a reason. No, the the Secret Wars A Force book was decent, but it was not this good. Um, there was, it didn't have the charm that this one does, and I think it's probably because the Secret Wars book was much more um, dour than this book. This book, there's a lot of lightheartedness. There's a that's lot of true. charm to it. The Secret Wars one was very dark. You know, there was just a lot of like heartbroken shit going on in that one um just kind of in that world in general this one's just way more fun and it so far it's my favorite version of medusa that i've ever read i think uh miss wilson did a very very nice job with uh nico in this one explaining mm -hmm. that she can only cast her spell once so and she's it, it was working it was through done, yeah very quickly and like yeah tightly yeah, like she gets stabbed basically through the gut and she casts a heal spell um, in a different language and they ask her, like, what the hell does that mean? And she's like, it means heal. It's a spell. I can only use my spells once. That one I need quite a bit. So I'm working through world languages. Like, and I was like, all right, cool. Like, that makes perfect. I got, I totally understand what your power set is now. That makes perfect sense to me. Love it. So absolutely pick this book up. Yes. Agreed. All right. And our last book of the week. We are just fucking flying through. It's Evan that slows us down every week. That bearded that fuck. bastard. Oh, wait. One thing. Yes, sir. You're a Nico fan, right? I am. What happened to her arm? Is that a runaways thing? I think that was just a glove. Oh. Uh, oh. One long glove? Yeah, dude. That mm -hmm. looked like a robot arm to me. Yeah. yeah look, look like a glove to me. To be fair... I haven't read all of the Runaway stuff. I is, could be Is wrong. that stuff good? Because I, I kind of want to read it now. The The very first run um, was amazing. The stuff that Joss Whedon did was good, but I don't know why I haven't finished it. Wait, what's what's the first one then? So I Brian K. Vaughn. Okay. Oh, obviously. That guy's yeah. fucking amazing. It is, it is some of the best shit you'll ever read. The original volume of Runaways is about as good as it gets. So, anyway, definitely pick up Runaways as well. The final book of the week, uh, written by Marquisian Nasso with art by Jason Muir. Uh, this was a book that kind of snuck up on us as we were looking through the list of things that were coming out this week. It is uh, by Action Lab Danger Zone Publishing, which is not a thing that I am familiar with uh, up until this week. Uh, and this was a book called Voracious Number 1. And the reason we were sold on it, or the reason I was sold on it, I don't want to speak for everybody, but what sold me on it was the solicitation of uh, Jurassic Park meets Top Chef. And uh, that is basically what this was. Yep, it delivers. It, it certainly delivers. We have our main character is uh, a, young, a young man named Nate Wilner who is living in New York. He is living the ultimate New York life. He can go see all of his favorite bands whenever he wants. He has a, a great girlfriend and he has a really cool sister who lives with him. And he is working at a five-star restaurant in New York and he's just got the best life going. And the very first line in the book is fuck me. And you know things are just gonna go downhill from there if that's your starting point is fuck me. And he goes back to his apartment, there's a fire. His sister uh, dies in the fire. He loses everything. He loses basically his will to live and moves back to his hometown in uh, buttfuck nowhere, Utah. And gets a job back at the same sandwich shop that he had uh, when he was a teenager. So a, a, the, tale, uh, the tale of a young man who went to the city to make his dreams come true and those dreams got stomped and shit on and j he just couldn't handle it. Couldn't handle it, 
went back home. While he's home working at this uh, sandwich shop, he gets a call from a lawyer, goes off to the lawyer's uh, office, finds out that his uncle Tony has left him his entire estate and uh, all of his money. So the kid inherits a home in Utah and $500,000. So he goes to the home in Utah. He finds this really weird place after he has a very strange conversation with his grandmother who has a big fucking knife. Um, All the time. All the fucking time. All the time, but stabbed into a bag of Oreos when we first meet her. Um, He has a quick conversation with her about, you know, like, hey, I understand some bad shit happened to me, but you're the only family I have left in the world. That's probably going to come up later. Um, Goes off to his uncle's house and finds out that his uncle was a time-traveling scientist. Because why not? Because, oh, my goodness. He goes, he gets this message from his uncle. Uh, his uncle explains how, how Nate can travel in time with these different suits. He goes back in time. And as, as one would imagine, I felt that this, one of the things that really sold me on this book as I was reading through it, because I was like, I don't know if I like this. But one of the things that really like did bring me over to the side of like, yes, I did like this book, is that I think the idea of time travel sounds really cool. And the idea of like, man, I could go back and I could see fucking dinosaurs. That would be awesome. But then if you deal with the reality of what that would be, of, oh, fuck, those are dinosaurs. Like, he freaks out. As I would, too. And I thought that was a really nice, like, he he wasn't just, like, super cool about it. Like, oh, shit, those are dinosaurs. That's awesome. I'm going to Instagram it. He legit, like, <laughs> fucking freaks out. No you service. Know? <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, no satellites. So he fucking gets into a fight with uh, Quetzalcoatlus. Uh, Quetzalcoatlus. Yeah, Quetzalcoatlus. And um, his suit is talking, not talking shit to him, but uh, he's like trying to give the, sh- the suit commands and the suit is just responding with like, I don't understand that or, you know, do this or do that. He starts calling his suit sasshole, which I thought was pretty funny. I love it. You know, like a sassy asshole. Get it? Sasshole? It's wordplay. That's what we're going to call Evan from now on. Yeah. Aww. Evan Sasshole Goldstein. Um, he gets into this, this fight with his Quetzalcoatlus, and part of his suit has a flamethrower on it, so he grabs the Quetzalcoatlus by the neck, flamethrowers the shit out of it, uh, starts freaking out, says, you know, suit, open up my mat, open it up, I gotta breathe, I gotta breathe there. And uh, as soon as he opens it up, he goes, fuck, that smells delicious. And he eats the dinosaur. Pork chop sandwiches. Pork chop sandwiches. <laughs> he takes the dinosaur back to the future with him, buys the shitty sandwich shop that he was working at, and he's going to turn it into a restaurant serving dinosaur that he has to go back in time to get. All right. I, I don't know where this story is going, but I, have I like no it. no idea. But I liked it. Time traveler in general, all right, it's been done. Time traveling chef? <laughs> Brand new. All right, you got me. Okay, okay. That's a new thing. That is a new thing. I, so, Dan, um, before we started the show, you said you only read the first piece of it, right? Right. Yeah, there's I, two I, chapters. I thumbed through the second chapter uh, of his, it was his uncle kind of explaining his life, right? Uh, more of his end. Okay. And, uh, I mean, you don't really know what happens to him besides he comes back and whatever the fuck trip he was on, he really got fucked up. Mm-hmm. And um, He's probably fucking fighting dinosaurs. Yeah, you know, most likely, <laughs> one would assume. And uh, he's, he's not bleeding go from well. his side. And you realize that um, the grandma and him had a relationship at mm. some point, and it gets it gets more into that, and you find out the the grandma knows more than she's leading on to Nate. That naturally, th- this has been set up a little bit, and then it gets a little weird because she starts getting real Native American, um, uh, excuse me, American on us <laughs> real quick, and uh, it it's it's kind of bananas because that's when the knife comes out and. Um, and then she says something, possibly Native American, possibly in gibberish. I don't know. And <laughs> I, feel, uh, I, I feel like that was very offensive. I, well, no, because it <laughs> could have been a Native American language. Could have been absolute fucking gibberish. Because it's I, who can tell. Well, here's the thing. 
it's it's just a bunch of letters that don't go together at all and it doesn't say like in an asterisk anywhere like translated this mm-hmm. or anything it just it's like yeah now i'm like uh, are you an all alien right, fair, fair enough <laughs> maybe you, she is are you the time traveler <laughs> and uh you know, I it's it's just I it's it's a great book. It got a little off the rails at the end, but I look, I'm in it for the boy and the time traveling dinosaur hunting. I will fucking read the shit out of that book. Uh, it goes on to talk a little like you find out his coworker at the uh, sandwich shop. Uh, she likes him. He doesn't know mm-hmm. it. He's oblivious to it, obviously, because he has a kind of sort of girlfriend back in New York. Uh, yeah, so. no, I, I felt that was very obvious from the front. Like, this is uh, star-crossed lovers that have never, you know, yeah, never so the twain I, shall meet. There, there's shit like that. They kind of, like, more or less rub in your face. Like, oh, you couldn't figure it out? Here you go. There, there, there's that. Then <laughs> some some weird dude who I don't know his relation comes in. He was a captain. They call him the captain. His name is Rick. Uh, and Rick the captain. Yeah, and that, that's that's really all you know. And him and Nick don't really get along. I'm sorry, Nick, not Nick. Nate. Him and Nate don't get along. So that that's that's all we know. And not really like I hate you. Sort of don't get along. More like your parents loved you. Don't talk about my parents, you turd. That sort <laughs> of like not getting along. So fair enough. Uh, I I don't know. It it was. As far as the book as a whole, it was great, and I have a, I, I'm probably not the best person to go off of for this because I have a like just a sort of pennant for this type of shit. Like I, I hold my like penchant, pe- penchant. Sorry, not a pennant. I have a pennant too, a little flag that I fly when <laughs> I like books. I, I, I like that. Okay, it's a World Series type thing, except for comics. Now I imagine Dean reading every book. With one hand waving a tiny <laughs> triangular flag in the other. You're damn right. When I was reading this, I had an Action Lab pennant. Just how do you turn the pages? Uh, I buy these digitally, so digitally. I, I I hit a button. <laughs> I hit a button. It's the future, Matt. It's the future. Um, yeah, no, this is a cool book, man. I mean, and it was a dollar ninety nine for sixty one pages. Talk talk about a deal. Talk. Wow, they. They discounted that off the the paper version. Oh, did they? Well, how much was the paper? Does it say it on there? I think it was like four. Wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. buy this digitally if you really want to like try a book and you're not sure about it. Yeah, four ninety nine. So um, if don't if, try the book, commit to a book you're going to love. You know what? Matt's right. Fucking read it, love it, gotta have it. Support Action Lab Entertainment because they're they're batshit nuts, time traveling chefs, and crazy religious figures that go on killing sprees. Why not? Not only are their plots crazy, they're crazy. You can download it DRM free. Nice. There you go, dude. What a plug, Matt. You're on fire. Oh my it god, was, is uh... that that smell? <laughs> <laughs> Shit! Someone go put Matt out. <laughs> It was, uh, it was, uh, I was very, very pleasantly surprised by that book. And I, I like that we exist in a place where in the same week I can be utterly disappointed by Swamp Thing, um, have my Spider-Man fandom just tickled in just the right way and be totally surprised by a new book about a time traveling uh, chef that's going to serve dinosaur at a shithole restaurant in Utah. There is a question, though. We have no idea where this is going. No, not right. at all. I mean... It, I can't imagine it's going anywhere pleasant. No, no. I mean, there's a T-Rex on the cover, so I want to yeah. see a T-Rex. And there were velociraptors about to mm-hmm. kill him at the end of the book. So I'm excited. I want to see more velociraptors. They're so delicious. there you go, guys. They are. A solid week of recommendations. Spidey and Voracious, absolutely pick them up. Definitely buy Voracious for a buck ninety-nine digital... 64 pages, solid book. Well, the no, writing we, was a we little stiff. We talked about this. What did we talk about? You can't say Spidey because that's a separate Sorry. book. Oh, Spider-Man, Spider-Man number one. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man number one, great book. Voracious, great book. The only complaint I had with Voracious, the writing was a little bit stiff, I felt. A little a little too perfect. Yeah, I could uh, see that. By, you know, it was more traditional, like, 
term paper writing than necessarily comic book writing or just a natural flow of writing. Maybe that's something we'll get better. I don't know the creators. I don't know, um, and I don't do research, so I don't know if this is one of their first books or not. Um, but cool idea. Definitely pick it up digitally. Buck uh, ninety nine. I mean, come on, that's that's a steal for sixty four pages of story. But there were one or two more things that I did want to just talk about uh, very briefly here. And one of those is they have started to announce some of the teams for the DC reboot, rebirth, uh, what's going on. And the rumored writer for the Batman bi-weekly book is Tom King. Now, Tom King has written... Uh, Grayson, a book that I personally could not stand. And he has also written the new Vision book for Marvel. Based on that information alone, gentlemen, is this the guy for Batman? No. 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 <laughs> no. That was, that was quick. And we stand by our comments of no. This is the guy that has to take over the Batman book from Scott Snyder. Yeah, that's I don't not going to work well. <laughs> I don't envy anybody in that position, certainly, but I have not been a huge fan of Tom King's, and I got to tell you, hearing that Scott Snyder is leaving the the regular Batman book, yes, he is just moving to Detective Comics, um, but being replaced by Tom King, that does not thrill me even a little bit. I, I think Snyder would probably be better suited for a detective, though, because detective is a more grounded story element to an extent. And, um, I, I mean, American Vampire, as 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 you could say, crazy as it was, it was still based in, like, some more, uh, I, I don't know how to put it, like, uh, realistic environment. Like, Batman normally spirals out of control at some point where everything starts getting a little crazier, which I feel started happening when Batman wasn't Batman anymore. He was, he was like, in a robot suit and shit and yeah. getting all crazy. You need to go back to basics, and I think Detective is probably going to be a better suit for him where he can keep it more grounded and dark. A better yeah, non-robotic I, suit. Yes. <laughs> better non-robotic I Again, I, I don't hate Jim Gordon as Batman, though I do think they need to tone down some of the ridiculousness he's getting into. Uh, also, it's not a big deal that we're losing Snyder and we're getting... I already forgot his name. Because the, uh, the entire DC universe is fucked and the reboot is not the solution. Yeah. Alright, Dan. You, <coughs> Alright, you gotta you gotta stop this nonsense with fucking Stephen King's third cousin or whatever. Who? Or who what, what's this picture? No, no, no. We're not there yet. God damn it. Superman, also going bi-monthly, so twice a month. Uh, being given to Peter Tomasi. Uh, Peter Tomasi is a guy who has done, uh, he had a pretty good run on Batman and Robin. Uh, he did Brightest Day, uh, Green Lantern, Emerald Corps, um, did Batman, Arkham Knight. He is certainly not a, uh, not a sexy choice, but uh, he's a pretty solid guy. I what are think you talking that, about? He's gorgeous. <laughs> no, he's he's got a fabulous beard. But... Uh, I think they're playing it a little bit. What surprises me so far with these two announcements is that it seems like we are, uh, or that they are playing it pretty safe. I, uh, I don't, I don't fucking know. I mean, I'm gonna wait till these books come out, and then we're gonna complain about all these number one sucking, and then we're never gonna read anything DC again. That's what mm. I'm waiting for. No, Dean, it's our job. As nerds and as comic podcasters, to prejudge the upcoming DC reboot. <laughs> You're right, man. You're right. It is our job. Speaking of prejudging, the new Teen Titans book that will be put out apparently is going to have another Robin in the lead, except this time it will be Damian Wayne. Oh, stop mm. it. No. No, all okay, right. that one I'll judge all the fuck I want. No, he does not deserve to be in charge of any team. He's a fucking brat and. A shit dick. Uh, no. 
No. That's the one I'm actually the most excited about. Well, I love Damian Wayne. And I think it will be Is he even really a teen yet? No, he's like 12, dude. He's barely a teen. What's he going to be in charge of? His fucking boner? <laughs> and his aging is probably... His his growth is probably stunted by that uh, whole being dead thing. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. Yeah, being fucking all dead and shit and then being brought... Uh, fuck that. Aw, oh, man. I, well, I guess Tim Drake had to give it up sooner or later. Yeah. Why? Just not to him. Uh, it's <sighs> two more things, and then we're on to the picture. Elizabeth Banks, um, one of, yes. for my money, the most gorgeous women in Hollywood, uh, and one of the funniest. It's a really, really funny lady. I'm already saying um, yes. I know what you're going to say. She has apparently been cast as Rita Repulsa in the Power Rangers yes. movie. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. That was my thought. I for for those of you who maybe recognize the name and are listening and you're like, why do I know that name? Uh, she is currently most well known, I think, is for playing Effie Trinket in the Hunger Games uh, quadrilogy of films, where she has done a phenomenal job being just a fucking weird ass character in that those movies. Um, she she has also done a lot of previous shit. She was Betty Brant in the Sam Raimi. Uh, Spider-Man trilogy. Uh, she was in a movie called Slither that was Ugh. a really terrible <laughs> fucking horror movie, but it was, you know, Robert it was fun. Um, and she is in a, she is Miri in Zack and Miri Make a Porno. So she's got quite a quite a diverse resume. And uh, Rita Repulsa, I'm fucking in. I'm really excited about it. Matt, do you have do you have any opinions on the uh, Power Rangers? Were you a uh, Power Rangers guy? Oh, yeah, I was a big-time Power Rangers guy. Dude, there's three of us in the room right now that are Power Rangers fans. Can we just have a Power Rangers podcast right now? Just fucking cancel the paper cuts Power Rangers podcast? Well, I'm glad you bring it up, Dean, because starting next week on Geekade... (laughs) No, sadly, that's a joke, although now we can talk about it. Yes, we we can. can. All right, so we're all in on that. Um, Also, apparently, there will be... Is this it? No, not yet. Last piece. Cartoon Jeez. Network uh, does a thing every now and again where they like to uh, tease you with really awesome DC comic books, animated stuff, and then take them away um, like their Plastic Man shorts that were fucking awesome because Plastic Man is the best DC Comics character. Apparently, there will be a new Justice League uh, series similar in length to Teen Titans Go, so 11-minute episodes. Um but Kevin Conroy will be returning as Batman because the man is, at this point, the voice of God. But apparently, Mark Hamill will also be returning to play the Joker. Have you, we heard you, about yeah, this? You, Are we excited I, about this? I, I am. Uh, also, you said Plastic Man's going to be in it? No, no. I'm oh. saying the, the old Plastic Man shorts that they ran on the, the DC animated like little in-between features mm. um, were some of the best shit I've ever seen. Oh, because I was great. I was gonna say Plastic Man was on that team. That that guy just does not get enough credit. Left in the fucking retro years, man. It's so sad. I, I really like that character, but yeah, Plastic no, this, Man's is, the this, best. Is, this is a pretty good reason to get hype, man. I mean, you have two of the most iconic superhero voice actors in I would say history coming uh coming back to the uh, the limelight, the good old uh, Batman stage, and uh, can't go and- wrong. What I think is really interesting about it, too, is that Jared Leto just put out an interview in something like Entertainment Weekly or something like that, where he said, you know, he he considers himself now to be a full-fledged sociopath after having to get inside the mind of the Joker. And we all know the Heath Ledger story did not have a very happy ending, Um, you know, and there's some of the people who have played the Joker over over the last number of years have said, you know, even Jack Nicholson said some shit like when he played the Joker originally that he felt really fucked up after he got done playing the character. Yet Mark Hamill, who by all accounts is like the best person in the world, has played the most evil fucked up version of the Joker that there has ever been. And he's still just happy as shit. I, you know what? Cause he, he has a different approach to it. Like, the Heath Ledger Joker was like darkest timeline Joker. That shit mm. was fucked up and dark. And Jared Leto I, looks crazy. I haven't seen the movie yet, so I can't judge. But it, he looks very like unhinged and insane in that. 
Um, Jack Nicholson played a fucking gangster. That's that's all there is to it. It was a dark. Yeah. It was a dark gangster character. Um, I equate um, Mark Hamill's character to a more amped up, like roided Cesar Romero type deal. Like it's dark, but it, he has a way of fluffing it up with the laughs and everything. His his vocal changes make it like almost humorous to a point. He does the Joker so well because he he can have that sort of range to it where um, these movie characters don't necessarily get that sort of um, uh, attention because it's harder to display through I think live action. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I I think you're right. He is he has done just an absolutely phenomenal job with it and. These other guys need to toughen the fuck up a little bit. Maybe that's maybe that's what we're getting to. But okay, very on, controversial. On to the biggest uh, the biggest news of the week. Uh, earlier, uh, well, actually, late last week, DC Comics announced with uh, with their their part of their reboot th- reboot uh, rebirth that's going on. They reboot <laughs> reboot. It's now the reboot. I like yes, it. Yes, I fucked it up, but to be kinda, boosted again, <laughs> kind of works. They are uh, rebooting a number of Hanna Barbera properties into um, into comic books. So there's things uh, like Wacky Racers. Um, Wait, are you for real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is for real. Oh God, yes. Um, I thought I thought that it was an early April Fool's joke, but I'm I. This shit was on Polygon. It was on Entertainment Weekly. It was on a bunch of stuff. DC is going to... Uh, here's, here's the books that are going to be published. Um, Future Quest, which is uh, some Johnny Quest stuff. Uh, Wacky Raceland, which is being designed by people who worked on Mad Max Fury Road. I love it. Um, <laughs> a, a new, a new uh, version of the Flintstones. Um but the one that I am the most interested about that apparently has some involvement or at least character designs from Jim Lee is Scooby-Doo Apocalypse. Dude, this totally has Jim Lee fucking written all over it. And Scooby-Doo Apocalypse is like Scooby-Doo characters in a techno-apocalypse and the teaser image that they released that got people fucking going nuts was Fred and Wilma and... Or Velma and uh, the other one, Daphne, Daphne and Scooby and Shaggy with a bunch of like really crazy techno looking things on them. Fred's got a tribal tattoo. They all look kind of sexy in that Jim Lee kind of way, except for Shaggy, who is. Dude, he looks like Ollie Queen, man. He looks like old Ollie Queen. He is Queen. the most <laughs> hipster. He's got a handlebar mustache, the hipster haircut. He's got sleeve tattoos. I love it. I want him He's to be got my friend. Piercings. And I do, I fucking love it. Like, I looked at it, and the, there was a, a ton of tweets and a bunch of social media going on about this picture. And people were like, what the fuck is this? And I looked at it, and I said, I am so in to this picture. We'll link it in the show notes. Scooby-Doo Apocalypse, Hipster Shaggy. Like, Fred with a tribal, tribal tattoo, he seems like the kind of dick who would, like who not only knew that tribal, like, he never realized that tribal tattoos were a bad idea, he just recently got a tribal <laughs> tattoo. Like, it's been so done for so many years, but he was like, no, that shit's fucking dope as fuck. He's bringing I'm it back, one. bro. Totally bringing it back. But Hipster Shaggy, man, Hipster Shaggy is, I'm all about it. It looks, I think it looks awesome. I I love Scooby-Doo a, a great deal. And this kind of modern take on it, like, I don't see the problem with it. Give me that Velma, though. Me and her gonna oh. get together. We gonna make some babies. I can't wait to see what the hell they do. Yeah, I'm. I'm really just stunned at this entire <laughs> thing. It's great. I. I want. I want every part of it. I want every part of it around me. I. I want it. I want it in me. It's. It's so good. <laughs> this is so good. This is like I am on such a Scooby Doo high right now. My kids are really into Scooby Doo right now. I built the Lego Mystery Machine with my daughter. We've been playing the Scooby-Doo level in Lego Dimensions. There's a new Scooby-Doo Apocalypse Hipster Shaggy comic book coming out. Like, there is some hardcore Scooby-Doo love going on right now, and I am a happy camper. But I think that wraps it up for this week. Gentlemen, what do you say? I say you get announcer guy on the mic. Announcer guy, 
tell him some shit. Thank you, Dan. Attention listeners. Did you know the Geekade crew are real people you can get in touch with? Did you also know you can keep track of what comes out on the fabulous Geekade website without even visiting it? Did you know that Dean irons his vest every hour on the hour to be prepared for anything? Wait, really? Well, you can keep in touch with Geekade by following them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, and more. If that's not enough, you can also send them an email at mail at geekade.com. Be sure to check out the show notes to get all the links and more information on today's episode. Back to you, Dan! Thanks again, announcer guy. And again, honestly, truly, from the cockles of our hearts, thank you for listening to the Paper Cuts podcast. We really do appreciate it. If you want to show us some love, why don't you take a minute, check us out either on iTunes or, correct me if I'm wrong, Dean, but Stitcher as well. Yeah, it's coming. Stitcher's coming. Leave us a five-star review. Leave us a rating. Give us a like. All that good shit blast us out on social media it really does help get more eyes and ears on the podcast it is the best way to move us up the charts so more people get the same quality entertainment that you are enjoying right now absolutely for free every goddamn week except when we take a week off if you want to get a hold of us you can always send us an email at mail at geekade.com. If you want to talk to any of us individually, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at geekadedan. You can follow Dean at Komodo underscore Vestlord. And you can follow Matt at geekadematt. At geekadematt. You can also follow Evan. I don't know why you would want to bother because he can't even be here this goddamn week. Fucking but you can follow him. Fuck face. What a dick just an asshole you can what even is a symposium it's a made-up word it doesn't it's not a thing it's not a real thing he doesn't have a symposium to go to he doesn't even know music (laughs) (laughs) you can follow evan on twitter at geekade underscore evan join us next week when we have um i gotta be honest with you a pretty light looking week of books It doesn't look great. Maybe there will be some more hipster shaggy to talk about. Until that time, for Evan Goldstein, for Matthew Much, for Dean DeFalco, and for Dan Ryan, I am Dan Ryan. I almost hung up on the call by accident. (laughs) My goodness, man.